0: Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and this week I had the privilege of connecting with Anne Riley. She's the Executive Director of the New York City Brewers Guild, and the reason we're having Anne on the show this week is that if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out on February 25th, New York City Beer Week 2021 kicks off tomorrow, and it runs from February 26th through March 7th. During times like these, it's going to be a different kind of beer week, but fear not if you're not in New York. It's definitely doable to join the fun from afar, and we'll touch on how you can do that. And in addition to New York City Beer Week, we touch on Anne's background in beer, the role of the Brewers Guild, the pandemic's effect on the industry, and how craft beer fans can show their support, plus diversity in craft beer, and more. If that sounds good to you, please subscribe to Props and Hops wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be incredibly helpful if you could take a quick moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on Twitter to keep the conversation going, at MLandis18, and if you're looking to get your sports betting fix year-round, check out Dimers.com for news and analysis, including NBA and NHL daily picks. All right. With some housekeeping taken care of, it's time to put the hops and props and hops in a big way. So, without further ado, let's get to this week's conversation with New York City Brewers Guild Executive Director Anne Riley. I'm excited to bring on Anne Riley, the Executive Director of the New York City Brewers Guild. And thanks for taking time to join Props and Hops and happy New York City Beer Week.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having us on. This is great.
0: Yeah, so I want to dive into the plan for Beer Week and get more into the Guild. But first off, um, starting with your background, how did you get interested in beer?
1: Uh, well, I've, uh, I've been interested in beer for a very long time, actually, and before working in beer professionally, um, you know, was always a, a big fan and always tried to keep up with, um, you know, what was happening. I, I always, uh, people often ask, what was your entry level beer into craft world? And I think the one that changed it the most for me was fat tire was I was at a cousin's wedding in Colorado, had some fat tire, came back to New York and quickly learned about the three tier system why we couldn't have it in New York at that time.
0: <laughs> yeah, fat tire is a classic. I fortunately was able to try it at New Belgium direct from the source on a trip to Colorado a few years ago. And as much as craft beer has advanced and there's always something new and cool to try. Sometimes just having those staples. I think of a fat tire or out West Sierra Nevada, pale ale, anchor steam, uh, back East, uh, Sam Adams, Boston lager. There are just some classics that you can never go wrong with. And they're a great entry point into the whole wide universe that is craft beer. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so thinking about, that interest and how it got started with Fat Tire and everything it's become since then, and merging that kind of with your career path, how has your passion for beer led to the point that you've become the executive director of the New York City Brewers Guild?
1: Yeah, um, back in 2015, I started to take it a little more seriously and created the Instagram account that for a long time, people only knew me as my Instagram account name, which that was always entertaining. It's NYC Craft Beer. Um, and from that, I started doing more, uh, freelance and consulting in our New York City beer community. Um, then that led to a full-time job with one of our local breweries when, uh, before they opened, coming on board with them to help them make a big splash here in the city. And then from there, uh, in September of 2019 is when I took on this role.
0: Great. And I think a lot of people have a general sense of what the Guild would do, but before we get onto everything with New York City Beer Week and some bigger picture stuff, could you give us a bit of a primer on how you view the role of the Brewers Guild?
1: Yeah, so the the idea for the New York City Brewers Guild is to be a one-stop um, and advocate for all of our New York City breweries. We put, presently have more than 40 breweries calling New York City home, and being a regular resource um, that all of them can utilize for everything from their, you know, yeast delivery didn't arrive on time, who can they reach out to, to um, what we've been dealing with for the past year of uh, pandemic regulations and closures. Um, That's become, you know, a big part of what I do is making sure that our entire membership and community is aware of the ever changing regulations.
0: Yeah, I I know this was a loaded question, but you kind of touched on it. And I'd feel remiss not to at least ask how the pandemic has changed things over the past year. I feel like it, it must be one challenge after another. Two of the biggest things I'm seeing out here in California would be a lot of shutting down and reopening on minimal notice. I know that it's not an easy position for anybody to be in trying to navigate the pandemic, but it's really seemed like some breweries and a lot of other small businesses have been getting jerked around almost arbitrarily by the government at times. And then also some inequities between breweries and wineries or other businesses. A meal requirement is a big sticking point if you want to drink beer in California, is that the same in New York? And has there been anything else that's kind of changed the paradigm recently?
1: Yes, so we've had that too. And a lot of breweries call it um, the food requirement, a Cuomo snack um, in honor of our governor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, um, cause part of the New York farm license and part of the way that a number of our breweries work is um, they were able to offer different kinds of food products on site. They didn't all have to have food pre-pandemic, but basically the regulations were set up that whatever food item you offered beforehand, you're able to offer now. It's just now it's a requirement that everyone's first beverage needs to be accompanied by a food item. Um, And I know, you know, restaurants and bars have had it a little differently where very specific items don't qualify. um, But, Breweries tend to, I know in California as well, fall into kind of a gray category a lot of times. Like it's not a bar, it's not a restaurant, it's it's manufacturing and um, the ability to serve your beverages on site. It's, it's complicated for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I've heard is something guilds out here have been helping breweries navigate is education among local health department officials, because even the people you'd be dealing with over the past year might be different. So not everybody who's, you know, trying to do the right thing and do their job on the government side would know what a craft brewery is, how it operates, how it might be different from other lines of business. So has just education in general with a lot of key policymakers also taken on increasing importance over the last year?
1: Absolutely, that's something that our guild specifically because also we are obviously a member of the New York State Brewers Association and um, that has well over 450 members. Um, We have about 450 breweries here in the state of New York. Um, So we often rely and I work hand in hand with them on the um, statewide edicts, but here in the city, things are very different. Like for instance, for the um, outdoor seating, A lot of people were able to simply do sidewalk, but once they wanted to do like a curb cut into a city street, that became another thing altogether. So you're dealing with the SLA, the Department of Transportation, the Department of Sanitation, the Department of Buildings, Department of Health. And, you know, we've had some breweries have four different entities coming in in a week for different inspections. So trying to make sure that everybody is up to date on what they know they need to be doing, because there's a chance the person coming to inspect them may not know.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to figure out there. But when it comes to craft beer fans wanting to do what they can to show support, and even with all the uncertainty to keep things going as much as possible, what are some of the best ways, both, I would say, within New York City, and if there are New York craft beer fans beyond New York, what are the best ways that people can show some support in times like these?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons why we have changed what we're doing for Beer Week. Um, So... If you're going on-premise anywhere, just please abide by the rules. Be kind to your servers; they're, you know, doing their best to make sure you have a great experience. Um, I get it; it's tough to remember to, you know, all the regulations of staying seated. You know, don't stand up holding your beer. Don't stand up without a mask. There's a lot to remember, and we've been trying to work with the city to ensure that there's um, consistent messaging for that. So someone goes to a restaurant in Manhattan, a brewery in Queens or a bar in Brooklyn, they see the same messaging. Um, It's not different place to place. Um, But as for ways to support, um, obviously I'm a big proponent of supporting your locals. And so what we've done this year for Beer Week, uh, as part of that is we put together a points-based scavenger hunt, meaning um, for the different things you do throughout the city supporting beer, Um, and tag it on Instagram, (laughs) Um, you can acquire points towards some prizes. So this way, if you are someone who is not comfortable going out um, and sitting indoors or even outdoor seating, you can order beer, um, have it delivered directly to you and gain points for that. Um, You can go directly to your brewery and order um, beer to go. You can stay on site and drink it. You can go to your local uh, beer shop, buy it. Um, We want to include all of our Um, restaurants, bars, shops that have been supporting New York City beer all through this because it's definitely been a tough year here in New York.
0: Yeah, and I think you transitioned perfectly to the next topic. I wanted to dig into the plan for New York City Beer Week. Again, if you're listening to this the day it drops, New York City Beer Week would kick off tomorrow, February 26th, running through March 7th. And you touched on the scavenger hunt. I know there are a few other offerings. What would you say is the, the general plan for this year and how might that look different than previous years?
1: Yeah, so in previous years, um, we've kicked off the week with what we call Opening Bash, which has been a, a huge festival where all of our New York City breweries uh, participate and each of them invite a guest brewery. Um, you know, so last year we had probably 75 to 80 breweries participating, um, and it was two sessions. Obviously, um, we are not in a position to have six to 800 people standing in a room together at the same time. So instead of having an opening bash, we've decided to have what we're calling a virtual fundraising gala to close out the week. So that will be at the end of Beer Week on Saturday, March 6th and we're doing tiered donation tickets. Um, And like there's anywhere, there's $50 package, $100, $300, $500, where your donation to the guild helps us move forward with our programming and our ability to support our member breweries. But as a thank you for that donation, um, for instance, with the uh, $50 package, you get a, a t-shirt made just for this week, this this year's beer week, um, a mixed six pack of New York City beers and a commemorative glass. And then if you step it up to the $100, you get a mixed 12 pack and that can be delivered to you um, as well as you know, the merchandise. Um, and then the upper tiers, uh, those will include in-person experiences when it's safe to do that again, um, obviously. <laughs> It'll be in the shorter term, not the longer term, because we're working with smaller groups. People can go with a number of their friends and do a brewery tour and experience and tasting. And then the highest tier, you get some time at the brewery, getting to speak to the staff, as well as, you know, hanging out with your friends and having some beers over an afternoon or an evening.
0: That's awesome. I'm sure that's an experience that so many people, especially after 11 plus months, are really craving for something just like that. So hopefully sooner rather than later everybody can get those experiences and you also touched on the scavenger hunt earlier i didn't want to overlook that how can people go ahead and participate you mentioned there's a form of engagement through instagram so how can people um do they need to sign up for this or how would they get the ball rolling if they want to participate
1: yeah so if you want we're going to post everything on our instagram so by the time this is up that'll all be up with all the um the the ways to participate, do a simple hashtag right now. It's NYC Beer Week Scavenger Hunt. I get it. That's a lot to type in. So we're trying to, you know, dial that back. Um, But yeah, um, as long as everyone tags their posts, we have um, a couple of our uh, team members are going through and daily logging those so that you can um, earn different points. Everything from, you know, some vintage merch, From a different brewery to beer, because everybody beer always makes a great prize. (laughs) Um, So it'll be a whole structure of systems. We're also working on a uh, raffle for some cellar beers that some of our uh, everyone's favorite brewery has. You know, everyone has those cases sitting in the back of their cold box that they're not quite sure what to do with. So we're hoping that we can offer some specialty raffle raffles as well.
0: That's awesome. So between people in New York City being able to participate in something like the scavenger hunt or across the country. I would imagine the the beer shipping options that you mentioned for the closing gala, that virtual party, so to speak, will that be shipping to the same 31 states that had options for shipping for the beer boxes? Or is that a different setup if people from across the country want to participate?
1: A um, few from uh, across the country want to participate. Obviously, we're open to that. and We will work with our shipping partner. Um, we've been working with Halftime, um, and they've been great to us doing the shipping, the packing and shipping for our beer boxes. So people outside New York want to participate. We'd love to have you, and we will absolutely work with, work with them on getting their, your beer to you. Um, yeah, part of the virtual gala is going to be... Um, lot of our brewers, as well as some live music performances, a little bit of a history of New York City beer, be a combination of entertainment um, and education.
0: That sounds great. And to add some context, you mentioned beer boxes, which I understand have sold out. Congratulations on that. There's clearly a lot of demand for New York City beer within New York and across the country. Selfishly, I am glad to have gotten in under the gun. I have my New York City beer box on its way. And for context for listeners out there, the Guild put together the option to get either a half or full case, so that could be 12 or 24 cans of a curated selection of beers from New York City breweries. While these have sold out, it sounds like something that might be on the table to do it again. I know that these have happened in the past, and um, if people feel like they might have missed out on this, but it is something of interest, is it worth keeping on the radar for future opportunities?
1: Absolutely, this is something that we plan to continue doing. Um, The first one we did was to replace our uh, Blocktoberfest, which the Guild typically does two festivals a year, and obviously this year those aren't happening. Um, So then we also did one for the holidays and we are going to be looking forward to doing, um, for example, some style curated ones. Uh, What's been interesting during this pandemic, and I'm not sure if that's happened in California as well, but interesting here in New York City, at one point, we probably had six of our member breweries had done a um, Oktoberfest style of beer, six had done black lagers, uh, four or five have recently done uh, black IPAs again. It's just interesting to see, even though we're not all able to come together, people's mindset is clearly in the same place because a lot of the same styles are coming around. So we are looking to do stylized boxes uh, as we move forward and continue doing at the very least, quarterly beer boxes that people can order and have shipped. So you can get New York City beer almost wherever you are.
0: That's great. Yeah. And to add some context to your point about California, there are some similarities out here. One of my favorite local spots, it's a it's a small bar called the Glendale Tap uh, in the L.A. area, and they partnered with an organization called Hopped L.A., and they put together what they're calling a hop box. So it's different, mostly hoppy beers, although I think there are still some sours and stouts that'll get mixed in. And then in a few weeks, people can pick up their boxes or have them shipped to their door and then join a virtual tasting. So a lot of similarities there. And I love the opportunity that provides people to A, support the establishments that they care about the most, that could use it the most at times like these, and also to just let go and, and try a little bit of variety in a beer box that somebody else puts together. It's so easy to overthink, you know, Oh, I've wanted to try this. Is this a really hyped beer? What's the untapped rating? What have my friends said about it? But sometimes it can be nice to take some of that really mental math out of the equation and just take what you get. And there's a lot of good beer. I know being out here, having spent a lot of time in New York, all over the country there, there's so much good local beer and it's awesome seeing places you know, curate boxes that can go direct to customers. And I also wanted to acknowledge that the New York beer boxes can ship to 31 states thanks to a partnership with Halftime. And a quick tangent, I've, I've got a humor myself here. I absolutely love Halftime. If you're in the New York area, you're probably familiar with it. For people who might not be as familiar, it's a, a small chain of beer stores that has an amazing selection. Basically, for beer from different countries you can essentially drink your way around the world and I've got in-laws back east so going with my father-in-law Doug and my brother-in-law Tommy to halftime is always a highlight of those trips to New York I cannot wait to be able to do it again and for now it's awesome to see that you have partnered with halftime to deliver fresh New York City beer to more than half the states across the country including California so that I can again selfishly benefit from this um how was it to work with Halftime and, and get the capability to ship beer to more than 60% of the states across the country?
1: That was great. Um, they have already been working previous to the pandemic with a number of our New York City breweries. Um, so it was a great partnership to put together with them. Um, they're a fantastic team. They, they really do care for the beer. Obviously, you know, <laughs> you've been there, you, you can attest to their love of beer. Um, their team has also grown exponentially during this because they are moving into helping helping lots of people get lots of beer across the country.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's one thing we touched earlier on some of the difficulties from the pandemic, but I feel we might as well take some silver linings where we can get them and shipping and those regulations loosening in a lot of states has been a huge silver lining. Right before we started recording, I got a delivery from my favorite brewery, Green Cheek, in Orange, California. And it's just been so nice to see that places that might be, you know, an hour plus drive or in some cases a cross-country flight can now ship beer direct to the door. Um, Have there been any other... um, issues as far as shipping goes that you think might enable it to outlast the pandemic or possibly even expand? Or do you think this is a temporary measure just to make sure that businesses can stay afloat as much as possible?
1: Um, it's a conversation that we've been having previous to the pandemic, and this has made it um, top of mind. Here in New York, Um the shipping uh, within the state and then the direct consumer, like people being able to do deliveries, um, things like that have been extended by executive order. So for the past several months, our um, people at our state Brewers Association have been working hand in hand with our government to make sure that this is something that can become permanent Um, just because obviously it's gonna take a long time for us to get back to pre-pandemic ways of doing just about everything um and i know especially here in new york and i'm sure in california and other places where people are listening to this there are many breweries that typically um you know when they do a release on either a wednesday or a saturday uh often for countless reasons people can't get to the brewery to get that beer the day it's released but now that you can order it to either be shipped to you or delivered to you um that that's taken away a number of hurdles of getting people to be able to try different breweries that maybe for different reasons, they just didn't feel they were able to do in the past.
0: Yeah. I'm certainly hoping it outlasts the pandemic. I think it's been proven from my experience and everybody I've talked to that it can be done in a responsible and safe way. And even doing some of the math, I, I have breweries that I could drive to and It might be 15 or $20 to ship, but for, a couple hours of my time, and even if it's just wear and tear on the cart, that's even worth it, not to mention the cross-country options like a New York City beer box delivered to a house in LA. So fingers crossed we'll see this going for the long term.
1: Yeah, we hope so too.
0: Yeah, um, and, and on that note, I also wanted to touch on specifically some of the members of the New York City Brewers Guild. You mentioned 39 breweries and Myself, a lot of other craft beer fans, I'm sure, would be familiar with the likes of Other Half. I'm wearing my Other Half shirt right now for people watching this on YouTube. Also, bigger players like Evil Twin and Finback. But that said, there are still a few dozen other breweries. Are there any hidden gems that um, might not be as popular, but you think really uh, could be on the rise or deserving of a lot of beer drinkers' attention, whether they're in New York now or the next time they get back to New York to put at the top of that list?
1: There's so many. I mean, like I said, you know, we do have 40 breweries calling New York City home. And one of the great things about um, the closeness of New York City as a city is we've had a number of neighborhoods pop up as having three or four or more breweries all within walking distance. Um, yeah, For instance, you can go to Bushwick and you have KCBC, Interboro and Grimm are all super close to each other. And then not far away from there is uh, Evil Twin and Bridge and Tunnel. Those are both literally just over the Brooklyn line in Queens. And then we have the Park Slope slash Gowanus area of Brooklyn, where within four blocks, you have Threes, Wild East, Strong Rope, and Finback's Brooklyn spot. And then if you want to walk a little bit further or even take you know a bus or a quick subway or in better weather, a bike, um, Folk's beer and other half are also super close by. So um, we had joked a number of years ago when I was working for a brewery in South Brooklyn that you can, um, this is something we're working on on our Brewers Guild site and hope to have live by the spring when people are actively going out again is coming up with your own tour. Like for instance, you can start at Threes, right? By, which they're very close, they're the closest brewery to the Barclays Center where right? uh, the Nets play. Um, I know it's not football, but it is basketball. Go Lakers! <laughs> you can start at three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and work your way all the way down to Sunset Park to uh, five boroughs and hit seven to eight breweries in between actually nine now because you know, the um, Keg Lantern has opened a spot in Red Hook with, and Six Point has um, opened up their area where now people can hang out there. And yeah, it, it's a great way to spend um, a day. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And on one hand, it sounds like a craft beer drinker's fantasy just to be able to hop from one spot to another, especially in better circumstances where there won't be the meal requirement slash Cuomo snack. But even for now, it's nice having so many spots clustered together from a beer drinker standpoint. From the other side of things, I also think of being from San Diego where things are so saturated and it's, it's great in one sense that breweries can kind of encourage people to hop from one spot to another and they can all benefit from each other having that hyper-local presence. And on the other hand, the more saturated things get, the more that might raise the bar for local competition. How have you seen that dynamic play out over the years in New York City as more breweries have kind of clustered around those neighborhoods that you just mentioned?
1: Yeah, and that, that's something that I've learned being a part of the uh, Nationwide Guild Leaders' calls during this pandemic is that New York is really special in the sense that... Um, A lot of people talk about saturation, I'll touch on that first, but this is typically a city of 9 million people, never mind the additional 3 to 4 million that come in as either tourists or um, commuters every day, pre-pandemic. So having, you know, 40 breweries to serve 9 to 13 million people, not really heavily saturated when you look at, you know, areas like California and even Maine, Um, I think their entire population is a million and the number of breweries in Maine far exceeds what we've got here. Um, so saturation is, we don't see it as an issue. Um, and then as far as competition, that's one of the great things about our guild is everyone is here to work collectively and collaboratively with each other. Um, We're not in competition with each other. It's, um, we're here to help each other. And we look at it as, um, the more people are aware of local beer, the better for everyone. it's Yeah, there, there's definitely not any kind of um, intercity competition. It's, it's all very friendly and helpful.
0: That's great. And one thing I think might be helping this, I'd like to think that as the executive director of the Guild, you're playing a role behind that. And that leads me into the notion of diversity in craft beer, because I think the stereotype has long been held, white males with beards. And we've got a long way to go, but it's awesome speaking with you and noticing other women in powerful positions. I know out here in L.A., the Brewers Guild executive director uh, affectionately goes by Franny Fulpint. She's a great woman who hustles. And if you're in Southern California and a fan of the beer scene, you've probably come across her a time or two. In San Diego, the Guild's executive director, actually a high school classmate of mine, Paige McWay Aster's, I think again, there's there's some progress. We still have a long way to go, but how do you view the importance of having, uh, and not just women, but people of color, other forms of diversity, you know, in positions of power to keep craft beer from becoming too homogeneous?
1: Absolutely, and being New York City, um, this is something that we definitely take to heart. This is the most diverse city in the world. We want our beer scene to represent what our city looks like. Um, So it was last December, um, December 19, uh, January 20, that members of our guild came together and um, started working on an internship program that will be a direct path to employment um, for previously underserved communities. Um, Initially, we had talked about it being part of a college program. Um, but we're like, no, we don't want it to, we don't want to, don't want to tie our hands in any way when it comes to this. We want the opportunity for anyone um, to see a path to employment in brewing. And that's something too, um, that it's not, you don't have to be just a brewer or a beer tender. Um, there's so many other careers in beer and that's something we're trying to highlight as well. Everything from being in finance or HR or marketing or social media um, merchandising there there's so many different opportunities uh, there's a couple of breweries that have their own lab well more than a couple M- multiple breweries have their own labs and I know here in the city we have a few women who are the head you know scientists in a different lab um, So it's very important to us that our community, as I was saying, both the reaching out to drinkers as well as people working in the community better represents what our city looks like. And that's something that we are actively working on. Um, One of the programs that we participated in was the I Don't Drink Beer with Racists, um, where the money raised, all all proceeds raised from that went to uh, NAACP uh, Education Fund and are now also uh, partially going towards um, building our internship program.
0: That's great. And I love one of the points you made a moment ago about people wanting careers in beer it doesn't necessarily require being an expert brewer. I know that I love drinking a lot of different styles, and at the same time, I'm not going to pretend to be a chemist or somebody who knows how to you know, master the art of making a great beer. So those different areas of opportunity that you mentioned can really, I think, broaden some people's horizons. And to that end, I understand that you've also been involved with the Pink Boots Society and NYC Women in Beer. Could you touch on that for a moment and explain your level of involvement and how stuff like that is also furthering diversity beyond the Brewers Guild itself?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, So the New York City Women in Beer is a group that um, myself and a couple other women here in the city came up with predominantly um, at, at the time we, a number of us were participating in Pink Boots. It was, and from that standpoint, it wasn't for any negative reason. It's just we were very lucky. We are very lucky here in the city where um, we do have colleagues who we can go to, um, you know, other women in the community. And I know there are other parts of the country where a woman working at a brewery might be the only one for 100-plus miles. Um, that's not something we face here. So initially, it wasn't until we really looked at it and thought about all of the benefits that Pink Boots and restarting our chapter here could help uh, women in beer, be it the education, the scholarship programs, um, And then the sense of overall community when you travel, Um, like for instance, M Callahan, who is one of the brewers at Big Alice, she regularly attends different Pink Boots um, events and functions all throughout the country. Um, So the New York City Women in Beer group is basically an umbrella that allows us to include the Women in Pink Boots, the Barley's Angels, as well as other women who um, might not work in beer yet, but really want to. And that's one of the things, being a Pink Boots member, you need to be employed. Um, be making, I believe it's 25% of your income has to come from some form of working in beer. Whereas Barley's Angels is a kind of a sister uh, organization to that. And then we also have a lot of women home brewers here in the city. So making it more inclusive um, all the way around so that you, you didn't feel if you didn't meet particular requirements, you couldn't participate. That That's basically why we started New York City Women in Beer.
0: Yeah, I love that going beyond just sheer diversity and looking into things like inclusion, belonging, everybody can have skin in the game. Uh, sometimes I feel like a statistic, even though I don't have the beard, being a white male who's really into this, it's always exciting seeing you know growth toward a broader population. And continuing with diversity in a bit of a different sense here, I can move on to, let's call it a rapid fire four pack to start wrapping things up. What are your favorite beer styles to drink? Um, I I'm
1: always go to a lager. That, that's <laughs> my first choice. Um, big fan of lagers. Um, anything that comes out of a fooder, I definitely want that. <laughs> Some of the fruited sours have been great. And then there's been a real resurgence in um, people being more interested again in West Coast IPAs. Um, Yeah, my my taste runs the gamut for sure as does my fridge stash. (laughs)
0: Yeah, one thing I want to circle back on here, you touched on anything that comes out of a fooder, and I know when I'm in breweries and I see one, uh, that's really exciting. But for listeners who may not be familiar with that term, could you describe what a fooder is and what type of beer typically would be coming out of that?
1: Ooh, yeah, um, <laughs> that's kind of, uh, yeah, and I guess because there's so many different styles here in New York um, that do get fooder fermented. Um, that that's kind of a long conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah, like, sorry, I don't want to derail our conversation here. Um, but for, we do have several breweries that have wood fermenters. So basically, um, anyone who's been to a brewery has seen all the stainless steel tanks and there are wood fermenters, uh, wood fooders, and there's also stainless steel. And, um, our breweries here in the city have both, um, so for instance, uh, Fifth Hammer and Wild East, as does Kagan Lantern, they all have wood fermenters, which they will transfer the beer at one point in the process into that fooder to get different flavors and different um, just, it, it adds a lot to the beer and it depends on what they're going for, what they're doing. Um, our friends at Threes have uh, stainless steel and some of their uh, fooder fermented beers are phenomenal. They're really doing a lot of things with, um, various degrees of like uh, Czech um, food or fermenting. Um, they have a smoke one out right now. Um, it's it's a great way to um, expand your typical styles of beer, I guess, and I'm, I'm doing an injustice to it, I will readily admit.
0: <laughs> I think you're doing way more justice than I would have because when I picture a fooder, I just think of a barrel, everybody's seen a wine barrel or the barrels that people might gather around at a brewery just you know, quintuple the size of that or picture something maybe 10 times as big. It's about twice as tall as I am. And um, you couldn't possibly come close to wrapping your arms around it. It's just a really massive barrel and it can be a way to perhaps add some complexity or nuance to any number of directions you might wanna take a beer. But I also appreciate your insight that they're not all just like those wooden barrels. I hadn't heard of stainless steel fooders, but I uh, might have some of my own homework to do after this. So that's gonna be an exciting rabbit hole to explore. Um, sure. <laughs> now that we've got a sense of your favorite beer styles, and that was a fun tangent to go down. I, I can't wait till the next time I'm drinking inside at a brewery right next to a fooder. What was the last NYC beer that you had?
1: Um, I just had one last night. I had uh, one of Finnback's Pilsners.
0: Perfect. Sticking with the theme of vloggers. can't go wrong. I've I've really fallen, I think, back in love. I would say with a lot of loggers over the past year or so. Part of it being stuck at home, um, you know. If, if there's a great, even the best, you know, big IPA, sometimes it's hard to have more than one or two. Especially a lot of the hazy IPAs. I know you noted that West Coast is having a bit of a resurgence, um, especially when it comes to the hazy. You know, New England, East Coast, whatever people want to say. The the hazy side of things tends to be a little bit heavier, and that's fine. It's nice and creamy and smooth, but it can be hard to put away more than one or two in a sitting. And if you get a really good lager, it's a good way to, you know, enjoy beer without thinking, okay, one or two cans, and then I'm done. I don't want to encourage anything irresponsible, but it's a fun way to, you know, you can put away three or four over the course of a longer session, maybe more if you're getting ambitious, but still generally keep your wits about you and have a pretty good time.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's been another one of the, um, I guess uh, sort of trends that just kind of happened here where a lot of breweries at the same time put out low ABVs and a few have even done um, second running where they'll take, um, you know, the wort goes into the kettle to, you know, go further into fermenting and they will reuse that wort and grain for a second running um, on something like it started as a heavy beer, you know, 10, 12%, and they're able to run it through a second time and get a different beer style out of it. And That's been really Watching people's creativity um, because they have more time and tank space has been really great. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's been a bummer to see the larger circumstances that have kind of forced people into certain positions, but at the same time to see the creativity, flexibility, how nimble different brewers can get. There are kind of like just on a more logistical side, having delivery expanded so widely. I hope that a lot of the creativity that we've seen over the last year can continue to develop well beyond the scope of the pandemic. Absolutely. I also wanted to touch on not just New York City beer, but thinking more broadly outside of New York City, what are some of your favorite breweries when you have the chance to travel?
1: Wow, yeah, that's a tough one. And yeah, the the last big trip I took before the pandemic was actually to Europe, um, where I did get to, um, to Belgium. Um, and that that trip alone just made me think the whole time I was there, I'm like, all right, how do we get all the people who are fans of hazy uh, East Coast IPAs to um, retry some Belgian styles that perhaps they, you know, either never have or had forgotten how good they are. Um, yeah, I do, I will readily admit, I, I tend to favor New York beer, especially during this. I, I will easily say the first easily six plus months the only beer i drank during this was new york city beer (laughs) trying to support
0: (laughs) yeah i'm jealous about that belgium trip that is at the top of my bucket list i know that the is a really popular spot out there but there are so many others we talked about how in new york city just different clusters of breweries but a trip to belgium i believe it's a really common thing even just to ride bikes from one spot to another seems like the ultimate pilgrimage for any kind of craft beer fan. And to your point, whether you're a fan of hazies or or lighter beer, I think there are enough styles within Belgium to appease anybody. They might nudge people a little bit more toward the middle of the spectrum, whichever end you're coming from, but still plenty of variety. and, And those are tried and true beers that have literally stood the test of time. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So one more thing I wanted to get into before we wrap things up. Um, Listeners of the show will be familiar with the segment during uh, the football season that I refer to as the Malinsky Minute in honor of a friend and mentor, David Malinsky, who was known as a legend in the betting space among many other walks of life. He was a big inspiration behind this show, but it wasn't just betting or the Vegas lifestyle that he made the most out of. He loved mom and pop restaurants and definitely craft beer. He particularly enjoyed creating his own food and beer pairings. So long-winded way of getting to the point of when it comes to pairing beer with food, do you have any favorites, either specific pairings that you go for or maybe specific beers that you know can pair well with a variety of dishes in the New York City area?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because this time of year, typically there would be a ton of events here in the city pairing beer with Girl Scout cookies because it's that time of year so I have to admit I do kind of miss that because some of the events that I used to plan when I worked at a brewery were like that um you know Girl Scout and beer pairings and Halloween candy pairings (laughs) um and it's always great to see what different people come up with like that that's um For me, honestly, uh, I think the best pairing of all time is a Pilsner and a New York Slice, but I like to see the other kinds of pairings that happen as well.
0: Yeah, typically in New York, I think the last pairing I enjoyed, uh, I had a, a business trip back East last February, right before everything really shut down. Definitely used a New York Slice, but I went the IPA route thinking a pretty big IPA could stand up to a, a nice decadent New York pizza sitting, but I would love to try the pills angle as well. So I'll put that high on the list for next time out, whenever that may be.
1: <laughs> Excellent. We look forward to hosting you.
0: Yeah. I, I can't wait for it. And I also wanted to make sure that we gave you a chance to plug what we have going on with New York City Beer Week again, February 26th to March 7th. I believe you said there's a virtual gala on the 6th, but it's March 7th, the official end date. So there are still some sort of festivities until the 7th.
1: Yeah. So typically in non-pandemic times, the last day of Beer Week is when we would do our awards, like the Rupert Cup awards. Um, And in past years, we've had smash beers, which, you know, single malt, single hop, and we've even done double smash beers where it's state, um, state hop, state malt. Um, But because, you know, we can't do what we typically would be doing, um, we did want to honor the fact that it typically closes on a Sunday. And I'm sure that we are going to have a number of our places are going to be offering different kinds of beer brunches. Um, It also offers the opportunity for. As I mentioned before, the many, many restaurants, bars and shops that have supported New York City Beer during this and prior to this. We want to honor those relationships and give them every opportunity as well to participate in New York City Beer Week, getting people in the door.
0: Yeah. And if people want details and to keep up with all things New York City Beer Week and to keep up with the guild, NYCBrewed.com. Also, Instagram, you mentioned the handle at NYC Craft Beer. Am I missing anything? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Sure, that's that's my Instagram, the Guild's Instagram. I know it'd, it'd be great if our
1: website and our Instagram were the same, <laughs> but um, our Instagram is NYC Brewers on Instagram, and yeah, the, the New York City NYC Brewed is our website. That's where you can find all of our information and keep an eye out even Payon Beer Week will be doing beer boxes again and come the spring and summer when people can gather, we'll be helping you formulate your own tour of New York City beer.
0: That sounds incredible. Well, thank you so much for shedding light into what's going on right now with New York city beer, what we can all look forward to in the future. And, and I wanted to thank you for your time. I appreciate all you do for local independent beer. I cannot wait as we touched on a moment ago. I cannot wait to enjoy my next New York city beer on draft and in person. And in the meantime, I look forward to supporting New York city beer from a distance. So thanks again for coming on the show and Once again, happy New York City Beer Week.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Goodbye. Thanks again to Anne for taking time to join the show. Make sure to follow NYC Brewers on Instagram and check out nycbrew.com for more information on New York City Beer Week and everything the New York City Brewers Guild is doing to quench the thirst of drinkers in New York and beyond. That'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. If you found any value in the conversation, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. You can also subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a quick rating and review would be incredibly helpful. You can also follow me on Twitter at MLandis18 and go ahead and check out dimers.com for a write-up on the highlights from my conversation with Anne, plus sports betting information you can benefit from all year long. Alright, so that'll do it for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, let's bet well, especially if you're in New York City this week. Let's drink well, and let's be well.